you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Grab your iPads, your iPhones, or whatever device you use for the Bible. I'm going to continue my message series on identity theft. And today's message is going to be called Mugged by the Mirror. As we come to Apostle Paul, right in the middle of giving the church of Corinth some very powerful instructions in chapter 12 regarding the spiritual gifts and that we are one body with many members. And so Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts and explaining how the church is one body with many parts. And uh, he begins to take a calculated turn um, in chapter 13. And then he begins to talk about the importance of real love before moving into chapter 14 to show how love works. But before I move on from that, I will be remiss to talk about what real love is. See, we live in a culture that has mixed true love with lust. So, so let me write this down uh, if you're taking notes. God's kind of love is directed outward towards others, but society's kind of love is directed inward towards ourselves. See, this, there's a fundamental difference between real love and lust or the love of the world. Now, there are quite a few single people in here this morning, so I think we can talk about some of this stuff and some of the things I'm going to say. Your children are going to hear this in school, so the best place to hear stuff like this is in the church. Hello? And so when we start talking about these things, because the teachers are going to indoctrinate your children. They're going to tell your children you came from monkeys. We didn't come from monkeys. We came from a creator. Hello, somebody. He is the divine creator. So the teachers are going to indoctrinate your children. So what better place to have your kids than in a place that can get true word of the true words of the Lord. And so, so a lot of times singles, they kind of have a, 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 a misconstrued idea of what true love is. So we're going to talk about that uh, a, a little bit right now. So, so let, me, let me just explain to how many single ladies we got in the house say, hey, hey. Uh, we got three. <laughs> we got more single women than that. Say, hey. I know, y'all louder than that. If you're the football game, it'd be louder. So how many single guys in the house are you? Yeah. We got five. So, okay. All right. So, <laughs> and so we need to understand this because we need to understand the differences here. See, lust gives you a condom, but love will give you a ring. You need to understand the differences there because always guys are going to try to get you in bed. Just listen to the songs that you hear. It's all about one thing, sex sales. Look at the TV programs that you see. You, you can't even hardly watch animated movies anymore. I mean, my God, I, I've just, just stopped almost. I just watch Animal Kingdom or something. Because there's so much stuff that you see um, on television today. And so, ladies, you are too precious to give up the most anointed area of your body to someone who didn't have enough God in them to understand the true holy of holies. Let me just say that right there. Let me just stay right there for a minute. When you give up the most precious thing that you have to some dude just because you think you love him, then you don't understand how precious you are. And for fellas to even remotely want somebody, you say you save, and if you save, you shouldn't desire the holy of holies unless you're that person's husband in the first place. Yeah, I know you came to the right place today. I'm going to break it down, and I'm not scared. I'm going to stand flat-footed and teach the Bible today. Amen? 
So you need to know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 said there's coming a day when people will call evil good and call good evil. We are living in that day right now. Because to live right, that's almost evil. To go to church is almost evil. To say you want to live in holiness, that's almost evil. To say you want to consecrate your vessel for God, what are you doing that for? That's almost evil. That's the day that we're living in. To tell our children that we want to teach abstinence. <laughs> Somehow that's evil to the world today. They just want to throw them condoms. That's right. And when you do that, sexually transmitted diseases tripled. It didn't, it didn't stop it, it increased it. So, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about real deal issues in this house. Amen. Amen. Because this is the place we're supposed to talk about it in the first place. Hello, somebody. So if I make you feel uncomfortable, I I came to make you feel uncomfortable today. Because this is the kind of stuff that you deal with in society. And you need somebody to sit here and tell you the truth about it. Because I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm not intimidated. You can't vote me out. Hello? So I can just preach free. We don't have no deacon board. <laughs> Deacons just take over the church. What, what, what? Anyway, somebody know what I'm talking about today. Somebody say real love. Real love doesn't sleep with prostitutes. He delivers them. Come on, oh, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about here. Real love confronted a prostitute, and he didn't try to sleep with her, but he delivered her. Real love doesn't turn a blind eye to shacking up with people. He turned a woman's life who was shacking up, and when she began to go to men, she began to draw men to Jesus and not to herself. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the woman at the well. Real love will confront you in the middle of the night when you know you just compromised on your standards. Somebody say real love. Real love will caress you even when you don't feel like you can be held. Somebody say real love. That's real love. Real love redeems the rebellious, heals the helpless, and delivers the defiant. That's real love. Real love will wake up on the bow of a ship one night and stand up and say, peace, be still. And the waves laid prostate and the wind stopped blowing because when real love stand up in a situation, it doesn't matter how high the situation is. It has to lay prostrate to the words of God. And I just say, peace be still into your life right now because you might have turmoil going on in your life right now. And you need real love to stand up in the bow of your ship so he can say, peace. The peace of God, the shalom of God, the shalom of God means you have nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken in your life. And see, that's what shalom does. He pulls everything together. Somebody said real love. Real love stepped up in the room of a dead girl and said, Talitha, Kuma, I say unto you, damsel, arise. Somebody said real love. Real love stood at the tomb of a dead man that had been in the tomb for four days and stinketh. That's, let me translate that in ghetto. He was funky. <laughs> and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And that which was dead rose again. See, there might be some dead stuff in your life right now. 
And see, real love will speak to every dead area. He'll speak to a dead marriage. He'll speak to a dead life. He'll speak to a dead relationship. He'll speak to a dead job. He'll speak to a dead ministry. He'll speak to a dead job right now. He'll speak to dead areas, anointings, and callings in your life that you have laid up on the shelf for years. And you, you God says, bring it forth. Come forth. I'm telling you right now, whatever it is that God has you to do, you need to come forth right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you think. I don't care what kind of money you got in the bank and what you don't have in the bank. You need to come forth. You need to stir up the gifts that's deep within you. You might have been in a church that wouldn't let you do anything, but all those days are gone. Somebody said, those days are gone. I want you to get up and do things up in this house. I can't do it all. I won't do it all. He didn't call me to do it all. He called me to raise you up. That's why our vision is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. If I can't equip you, you won't be ready. Come on, come on. Somebody say real love. love. See, real love was on a cross. And they hung him high and they strung him wide. Real love saw what you were going to do. He saw you might have been smoking crack. He saw you might have been smoking marijuana. He looked all the way through me. He saw I was a borderline woman, borderline alcoholic, womanizer, no good rascal. And real love said, I'll die for him anyway. Real love said, John, I got a plan for your life. I know right now you don't understand who I am, but I got a plan for your life. I know right now you're drinking yourself to death, but I got a plan for your life. I know right now you don't feel like I have called you to do great things for my name's sake, but I got a plan for your life. I came to tell somebody this morning, you may not feel like God is going to use you, but I'm telling you right now, God can and God will. If you let him, he will use you. He will take you before great men. The Bible says uh, a man's gift will make space for him uh, and take him before great men. Uh, You need to open up your bowels of compassion so God can touch you deep within so he can move you into those areas that you need to move into. I'm saying destiny right now. Somebody say destiny. Your destiny is not going to happen in spite of you. Your destiny is going to happen because of you. Can somebody say amen in here? Yes, yes, real love. Real love, real love. Real love does not abuse but appreciate. That's real love. Somebody say real love. Real love love will look beyond your faults and your failures. And even though you do not even deserve redemption, his love will save you. The Bible said no greater love than this. Boy, just that statement alone. No greater love than this. Than a man will lay down his life for a friend. See, I, I didn't understand real love until I hit rock bottom. See, when the bottle couldn't provide for me what I thought it was providing, the bottle couldn't fill that emptiness I had. And, and I just drank and drank and drank. I would wake up drinking. And it still, I still felt empty. I f- felt like, man, I, I wish there was something about my life that meant something. That was... Before I met Elaine, and even when we met, you know, I, my life began to change, but I was still crazy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I was still crazy, right? And, and, and the best thing about what happened to me was not that Jesus came into my life, but she came into my life. And then I felt like my life, maybe, maybe my life is worth something. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but uh, if God can use me, 
a nobody off of the streets. I didn't, I didn't matriculate through the right denominations, go to the right Bible class and Bible colleges. God interrupted my life. Real love will confront you. So that he can get you what he called you to be. Real love will look beneath everything that we've ever done and say, I still love you. That's real love. See, see, that love should transcend into your relationships. Somebody say relationships. See, if, if you're married, there's something called a love language. See, real love will try to understand the love language of your spouse. Uh-huh. And if you're not selfish, you will do everything you can to make sure you're meeting her love language. Hello, somebody. Now, she knows mine, and I know hers. Hers is very simple for me because I know what it is. My wife loves gifts. <laughs> and I know it. So what I do? Give her gifts. She loves acts of service. What do I do? I serve. I can't let my wife out serve me in my house. No, no. She started doing something. I'm going to do something else. No, you ain't going to outserve the woman, woman. What are you trying to do? You can't outserve me in my own. Come on, somebody. You ain't going to outserve me in my house. That's my house. I'm the priest of my house. No, I'm the servant. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. So the moment any husband says, I don't feel like I got to do all that, then you put yourself greater than Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, I came to interrupt. I'm telling you, I came to interrupt, and I, my car is parked right outside. I can make it home. Mm-hmm. See, me and Elaine didn't have our marriage all together. We got a great marriage now, but we went through seven years of hell. I, I feel we got a perfect book. The perfect book is called Marriage Made in Heaven Going Through Hell. That's what we got. And see, sometimes people see us and they see where we are now. You just don't know our story. So when we start breaking some stuff down to you to let you know how, how cantankerous I was and rebellious I was and different things that I had in my life. Listen, I brought bags. I had, I had luggage. I had like two, three closets. Come on, somebody. I had a lot of stuff. I was dragging stuff when I, when I met Elaine. The stuff was just dragging. I had all. I had all. They weren't no Gucci bags either. They were just them all. <laughs> They were them old nasty ghetto bags. I, you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and then she had a couple of bags, but I had a whole lot of bags. You know, and when we brought our relationship together, guess what? We had all of that, that baggage from our past coming in. Nobody really told us how to deal with all of this stuff, right? So we didn't know how to deal with it, so we fussed and, and we fought and all of this stuff. And then we allowed the devil to get into our marriage, man, and separate us. She got depressed, and then I just disconnected from her. And it caused a whole lot of damage emotionally and sexually in our lives. Because, and I'm on. I'm honest about what happened. See, this is why we got to be honest in the church. We wasn't kicking it because we weren't communicating. If you can't communicate, you ain't kicking it. And then we, got, we had a marriage, marriage conference with some folks in marriage. They said, we ain't never fussed. We've been married five years. I said, well, if you ain't fussing, you ain't talking. You're going to be married five years and you ain't fussing? You're going to fuss. Hey, somebody, you're going to fuss. You're going you're gonna to have miscommunications in a marriage. You're not even talking if you're not. Can I be honest about this thing? 
You, you, look, I, I tell all y'all all the time, if you come to the house with me and Elaine, we're going to fuss in front of you. We ain't going to be sitting there talking about, shh, let's take this back in the bedroom so the church folk don't hear us fussing. No, if we're going to fuss, we're going to fuss right there in front of you. Well, I ain't hiding nothing in my own house. We, we go visit people, and they're in there fussing. We can hear it. I, I, Shut up. I told you to go get in the room. We knock on the door. Who is it? I said, it's Pastor John. Oh, shh. <laughs> Come to the door holding hands. <laughs> Amen. I'm happy you're in the house of the Lord today. See, Apostle Paul experienced real love until his Damascus Road, Damascus Road conversion. And when you are truly confronted with real love, you will change. We read over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Apostle Paul, he said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So the first thing I want to talk about is, see, the first when, he said, when I was a child. And then the second when, he said, when I put away childish things. And what we need to do is catch our second when. Uh-huh, some of y'all are get it driving home today. I know it, I know it. I threw that one out there pretty quickly. I know it, I know it, I know it. You got to catch your second wind. Because, see, what you got to catch here is when Apostle Paul was confronted with real love, real love showed him how immature he was. Good God Almighty. And, see, see, you might think you know so much, you don't know anything. See, when you're confronted with real love, real love will show you how much you don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Okay, before I dig into that a little bit more, let me tell you. I, I, I really thought I knew, I knew leadership because I've, I've led in corporate America. We still work in corporate America now. But when, 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 you, when it comes to God's house, you have to come. At some point, you have to come to the realization you know absolutely nothing. Amen. When you take all the conferences and you do all the stuff everybody else did and your church don't grow like everybody else's. That's when you realize, well, I shouldn't have been in that conference in the first place. God says, I will grow the house. Yes. See, see, let me tell you something. I kept praying, and I'm very open about my life, guys. I kept praying, God, I need you to grow the church. Please grow the Please, God, I'm pleading. I'm like, God, dear God, please grow the church. I need you to grow the church. And God says, I can't grow the church. He said, you think I want to grow the church. He said, I'm trying to grow you. He said, because if I grow the church and don't grow you, then the church will break you. So sometimes, saints of God, you might be trying to figure out where why I don't see the big blossoming palm tree yet. Maybe it's because he's trying to develop your root system. Because the deeper the roots go, the taller the tree will become. So sometimes, saints of God, God has to, has to make your roots grow. Oh, my God, I heard it, Lord. And see, roots grow in dirt. <laughs> see, see, when your roots, when you can see roots, then that means that those roots are not as strong. It's, it's the roots that you don't see. Come on, somebody. 
that makes it strong because God, God made roots to be able to look for the, the nutrients and the water. And so when it can't find anything, when roots are in a dry place, it grows to find. Come on, somebody. It grows to find the water. When you are in a dry place, don't stay in a dry place. Grow until you find some water. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see that? Paul said, I put them away. So, so, so check this out. God is not going to take away what we should be putting away. See, we got too many people praying, God, I just need you to take this away from me. Lord, I am so sick of doing this. God, I just, ooh, Lord, if you just, God said, no, you need to stop. Ooh, Lord, I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can help yourself. You can. You can stop it. See, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. See, there's something fundamental about flesh and spirit. And we got to understand that. Your spirit is not your flesh. Your flesh is not your spirit. The spirit is not going to make your flesh do anything. <laughs> see, you say, oh, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to shout around the church. And then when you leave the church, you're still cussing people out. It's because you think that the Holy Ghost is going to stop you from cussing. Holy Ghost ain't going to stop you from cussing. You, you cuss yourself. Oh, I don't know where that came from. Well, well, come ask me. I'll tell you where it came from. Hey, it came from right there because it was already in there. Right? That's where it came from. Oh, I don't even know why I said that. Let me, I can tell you why you said it because it's in here. See, the moment, listen, saints of God, the moment we stay away from this, if we're not putting any of this in this, if we don't have any word in our spirit man, the spirit man does not have any tools or any weapons to fight your flesh. If you just come down to an altar and you just say what they call a sinner's prayer and you say that prayer. Oh, thank God that you said the prayer. But do you realize your life is getting ready to turn upside down? That just saying a prayer is not enough. Now you're going to have to step into this. This right here. Now, this, you can't liquefy it and pour it in your ears. I wish you could because I would have already done it. With this, like, like Elder said, you're going to have the labor. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to meditate on it. You're going to have to give it to your children. You're going to have to give it to your family members. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to give it to your children. You're going to have to give it to your family members. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to live it. You're going to have to give it to your children. You're going to have to give it to your family members. You're going to have to read it, speak it, give it, live it. Every day. No shortcuts, dear heart. There are no shortcuts to God. You do realize that, right? See, God, God has great promises. Somebody say he has promises for me. He has great promises. But, but listen, let me, let me teach you a principle here because this, this, this works. This principle works and it won't change. God has promises. But every one of his promises are based on principles. Right? And the part I don't particularly like is the problem part. <laughs> So God, he says, I show you the promise. I give you the principle. You learn the principle in a problem, and then you move into your provision. Uh-huh. So it would be cool if we can get the promise. God, I got your principle, but let me skirt around that problem piece. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got my provision. Wow! <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but he don't work like that. <laughs> At least he don't work like that in my life. Because I had to ask him about that because me and him, we, we kind of cool like that. So I had to ask him, like, God, why am I always going through some problems? Man. You know, me and Elaine, we get out of one problem, we're going into another one, because you're in one of three areas. You're either in a problem, coming out of a problem, or you're going into a problem. See, you one of three areas, and if you like me and Elaine, we're coming out, going in, out, and in, and out. <laughs> Amen? And so, so God said this to me. It was so sweet. It was so cool, and it makes so much sense. He said, if I don't put the problem in there, you'll get the promise, but you'll never learn the principle. See, how will you know you have great faith until you have to use it? Now, I've heard people say, whoo, you just got to have faith. See, when I got diagnosed with cancer, the one thing I didn't want to hear from church folks is, oh, pastor, you just need to have faith. I probably would cuss them out. Because, listen, I'm a pastor. I know what faith is. And, and, and see, just because I might weep or hurt doesn't mean I don't have faith. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. See, see, you're human. You're going to weep. You're going to hurt. And what we need to be in the church is more sensitive to issues in other people's lives. Just because God brought you one way doesn't mean he has to bring somebody else the same way. And what we need to do is be more sensitive to everybody's secrets. Mm -mm -mm. Come on, come on, somebody. All right, I know I'm hitting on something right now because you've heard that yourself. You heard, well, well, I just don't know what's happening. You just need to have faith. What does that really mean? I, I don't know. I'm the pastor. I'm still trying to figure that part out. Just have faith. Well, no, no, no. I don't need to just have faith. You know what I need? I, have, I need some people around me that has faith. See, I, I, I knew where I was with God. I just needed somebody else to believe in me while I was out there. You know what I'm saying? And see, see, you might be good right now, and you might be in the Word, and you praising God. Wow, everything is good, and you're smoking, man. You're rolling with God right now. But that's not going to be your testimony all the time. And so when you are in your winter, somebody else might be in their summer. And see, I might be in my winter, but I'm going to praise God when you're in your summer because at some point, the seasons change. Weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Why? Because I know one day I'm coming out of my winter and I'm moving into my summer and I'm going to help somebody who's in their winter. Can I get somebody to praise God up in here? Be careful how you stand lest you fall. It's not for us to point fingers when somebody fell. It's for us to lift them up. Amen? Come on, somebody. Are you here this morning? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, but we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Somebody said transform. That word is a great word. Uh, let me talk about that word for a second. This is just going to be part one because I'm going to wrap up in just a few minutes here. That word transform is a great word. For the Bible says, don't be conformed over there in Romans chapter 12. It said, don't be conformed. In other words, Apostle Paul is teaching us, don't allow cultural modalities to change your biblical principles. Don't be conformed. In other words, don't allow what everybody says is right to change your principle when you know it's wrong. Don't be conformed. See, 
even though the culture says it's right, doesn't mean that it's right by the Bible. So when I preach the word of God, I don't preach it to try to hit people on a personal level. I hit people on a biblical level. So I preach from a biblical level, not a personal level. So I don't hate any other culture group that wants to sin. And, and people have the propensity to hype up one sin over another. I don't agree with that. For one bit, sin is sin. Right? I, I just believe that if somebody's living an alternate lifestyle, that there's the same as a lying, cheating, stealing, adulterous fornicator. You're, you're, it's still sin. Come on, somebody. Can we just talk about it? All right. So that's what it is. It is what it is. Somebody say it is what it is. Come on now, that old, that old ancient proverb, it is what it is, it ain't what it ain't, don't make it what it isn't. So, so here it is, here it is. Here, <laughs> y'all got that? All right, so I'm telling him from Bama, I'll throw some stuff on you. The word transformed is a great word. In the Greek, the word transform is the word metamuphoo. Metamuphoo. That's the Greek word. That word is where we get the English version of that word, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis means to change. So in other words, we are being transformed from glory to glory. We are being, come on, come on, we're being changed. Now listen, one thing is true. We all know the definition of insanity. What is it? Doing the same things and expecting different results, right? We know what that is. God is saying, I didn't come to give an affirmational gospel. Okay, let me tell you what that is because this is what society is trying to tell us, which I have to quickly correct them because they don't know the Bible. They say, well, the Bible says I can come as I am. I know you've heard that. That ain't in the Bible. Ain't nowhere, ain't no scripture in the Bible say come as you are. But this is what they're saying. They're saying, I can come as I am and stay as I am. That's what they're saying. That's affirmational gospel. And a lot of churches preach it. I don't preach an affirmational gospel. I'm sorry. I preach a transformational gospel. The transformational gospel says, come as you are so God can transform you into who he created you to be. Can somebody say amen? Amen. See, listen, listen. If he had to transform a womanizing alcoholic like myself into a preacher, then I couldn't come up in the church with all of that stuff, right, and, and not put that stuff away. God, God helped me to stop drinking, but I had to put the bottle down. Hello? See, when people say, I don't know, I just can't help myself, that's a lie. You can help yourself. You can help yourself. It's a choice. See, see, this is why we start talking about lifestyle. Lifestyle choices is a choice. It's a choice, saints of God. You choose to be a liar. You, 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 you're not, you, you, lying is not an ethnicity. But this is what the world is trying to tell us, that because you want to live a different lifestyle, somehow that's an ethnicity. It is not an ethnicity, nor can you say it is a civil right. It's not a civil right when it comes to a choice. See, I was born black. I ain't had no choice in the matter. That's civil. Can I teach here? Now, listen, I'm not knocking the homosexual community at all. I love the LBGTQ community. I love them. They can come to this church anytime. But when you come to this church, just like them or a liar or a fornicator, anybody, you're going to have to be transformed when you come up in here. 
But I do want you here because real love says, come on and let me give you some truth. Let me love you through your situation and your circumstances. Come on, somebody. We're not supposed to just cast people out. You didn't get cast out. No, we're supposed to love and love hard. Can I get a witness? This is the true essence of the church. We're supposed to be transformed. We, we can't come in the church and stay the same old, mean, nasty, rebellious, cantankerous self. Something about us has to change. Your marriage should change if you're willing to change it. If you're single, you should be single, saved, and holy. You need to put a lock on it. Clink, clink. You lock it down. You lock it down, you'll find out if he loves you or not. My daddy, my dad always said, now listen, listen, <laughs> before I say this, let me, <laughs> my daddy would say stuff, and daddy, if you listen to this on podcast, I ain't talking bad about you, sir. So, my daddy would say, why buy the milk if you're getting the cow for free? Now, I'm not calling women cows, so please, I'm not calling you cows, first of all. I'm just saying, if you got something precious, why give it up for nothing? Where's the commitment? See, see, sometimes in those relationships, it's, it's just like relationships in the church. See, in the church, we have a lot of runaway brides. <laughs> oh, glory. I'm, I'm going to say this, and then we're done. We're going to pray. See, see, what happens is with a, a runaway bride, see, the bride goes through everything. They go, they get the fitting, and, and man, they, they got everything set up. They got the team together. Uh, man, you got the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. Man, you got everything together. You got the date. You got the venue. You, man, woo, you just so excited to be married. Already knowing you ain't going to stay. And so when, you, when, when the day comes, everybody is excited. The church is full. Everybody is there. You're in front of everybody. Hey, man, come on, somebody. And the dude is down here. He's just waiting. He's just, he's just giggling, man. He, he just can't wait he's just so excited man come on down here girl you better get down here fast run down here you know and so so she, here she comes see she's sashaying down the aisle right because this is her day and everybody is looking at her right so she comes down in front of the guy man and the preacher starts talking and then when he gets to the part about being committed um <laughs> so so you saying i gotta change so in order for me to marry you, you telling me I got to stop doing some of the stuff. So you, you're telling me, Jesus. Come on now. So Jesus, let me see if I get this straight. You love me and you want to marry me, but you want to change me. <laughs> well, who do you think you are, Jesus? And run out of the church. See, some Christians, they want to be with Christ until time of commitment. See, when it's time to be truly committed, that when they say, no, Jesus, you, you, you're trying to change my lifestyle now. I can't be married. Come on, somebody. No, Jesus, wait a minute, wait a minute. You telling me I got to go and ask forgiveness of my wife? What do you mean I got to ask forgiveness? I'm the one that's right. Wait a minute, Jesus, you mean I got to go to my child? I know I said it wrong, but I'm daddy. 
You mean I got to go to my child and ask for forgiveness from my child? I created her. Then you don't want to be married to Christ. Because when you're married to him, he says, when you're submitted to me, you got to obey my word. See, part of the problem is so many people want the king's things without the king. When you marry Jesus, you take all of him or none of him. Hello, somebody. That's real love. That's real love. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.